I'm Dean Newland, and welcome to the Business of Intuition, where I coach, facilitate, train, and speak on the hard science and meaningful experience of intuitive leadership in business, so you can make better decisions, forge real connections, and creatively solve problems to amplify your impact and simplify your life. Welcome to the Business of Intuition. Sometime in May of 2022, my team and I were reviewing the prior months and somebody said, you know what, do you realize that we are turning 30 years old in July of 2022? And it just struck me like, wow, that went by fast. I'm just uh, was overwhelmed by the fact that we have been so blessed and so, quite frankly, successful over these 30 years. I know that most organizations don't have that sort of blessing where they can say that they've lasted that long. And, and so it just became very clear to me and my team that we needed to start calling out examples from our clients that have really demonstrated a heightened level of expert leadership. And so the consensus was that we would start what would be an annual award that we would call the Mission Facilitators Leader, Excellence in Leadership Award. And last year, we started that process. This year, we have another award winner. And it was really all based on this idea that we need to start showing to our other clients and to all of the people we connect with through social media and our podcast, what really good leadership looks and feels like. We started off as just a small little company back in, what, 1992 in Seattle, Washington. I remember like it was yesterday that we were just doing individual coaching for small business owners. And then we just all of a sudden got very fortunate to be able to catapult into the big league by being able to coach and provide organizational development and training uh, and strategic planning with some really large, notable companies like Microsoft and AT&T and Hewlett-Packard and ExxonMobil and Mayo Clinic and Honor Health and Goodwill of Central and Northern Arizona and uh, Salt River Project and uh, Marriott International. The list goes on and on and on. And it's just been an amazing journey. So again, it just became so clear that we need to start calling out what does the uh, quintessential leader look like in today's world that is really knocking it out of the park. And my next um, award winner is absolutely, without a doubt, a representative of what I would call tremendous servant leadership. I've seen this gentleman on one hand in front of a large group of people be extremely vulnerable about his personal life, and then in the same meeting, being able to hold people appropriately accountable. This was the total package when I saw this person in action, and it just became very clear that he would become our next 2023 Mission Facilitators Excellence in Leadership Award. And his name is Brian Murray. Brian is the Chief Executive Officer at Ryan Companies, which is a wonderful organization, been around for many, many decades up in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And Brian oversees the development, communication, and the execution of the company's strategic initiatives with particular focus on organizational finances, operations, and administration. He joined Ryan in 2009 and has served as Chief Financial Officer, Chief Operating Officer, 
leading the construction operations and shared services functions of the company. Brian connects with other industry thought leaders through his participation and membership in the Construction Industry Roundtable. He is a current board member of the Prairie Care Fund, which provides resources for mental health awareness in schools, and a past president, or excuse me, past board chair of the Twin Cities Cristo Ray Jesuit High School, which is an inner city college preparatory school for under-resourced youth. Brian Murray, congratulations on your award for the Mission Facilitators Excellence in Leadership Award. All right, so Brian, I'm really, uh, I'm really proud and pleased to be able to have you on this interview and to award you and your team for our annual leadership award. Uh, we've been at this now for two years, so you're number two. And uh, we started this when MFI uh, became 30 years old uh, last year. We started in 1992. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to start calling out some of the real strong examples of strong leadership that we've been able to observe from afar. And it was just unanimous that you and your team came up for this year. So uh, again, uh, honored to be working with you and congratulations on that. My question that I want to start off with is you've really taken a strong stance on mental health. And I've never in my 30 years had a CEO that we've worked with uh, lean into that as much as I've seen you do. Why is that such an important part of your leadership style? You know, it's, it's um, something that's personal to me. I've been through severe depression in my life when I was an executive at a Fortune 20 company and a CFO. And I quit abruptly because I was clinically depressed and didn't even know what depression was. And so after I got myself some professional help and medication and, and a different way of dealing with life, with exercise and meditation, et cetera, have got my mental health in a good place. And what became readily apparent to me is the stigma around mental illness is brutal and people don't talk about it. And the instances of people dealing with mental health are just as great as dealing with physical health. And people talk about physical health. They don't talk about mental health because of this stigma that is associated with it. And so my belief is uh, I wanted to share my story to hopefully uh, make a dent in this stigma and hopefully to encourage men in particular to get help because men too often think they can deal with it on their own. They don't seek professional help even on the physical side sometimes, but certainly on the mental health side. And too often it ends in suicide. And um, I've just uh, come to the belief that anything in life that was a challenge eventually can become a gift. And for me, I've kind of transformed my really dark days dealing with depression into what now is a gift of sharing my story with the hopes that maybe just one other person might feel urged to go get the help that they need and that is out there and that you can live with this and that there is life and there is quality life. I guess the other thing that I've learned is it's common. I went to a dinner two summers ago organized by a guy that gathered 10 CEOs together for dinner. And he wanted to talk about three topics. And the first one was mental illness. And he asked me beforehand if I would share my depression story. And so I did. And, um, you know, I shared more than what I just shared with you and paused after about five minutes. And it was just crickets. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, what did I just say? And did I? And then 
one of the CEOs tearfully said, when I was five years old, my mother died of depression. My mother died by suicide. Hmm. And the next one said, this fall, my daughter tried to take her life in college. Hmm. Then another said, my dad was bipolar and never got help. Hmm. And then another came up to me after the meeting and said, I'm dealing with it right now, Brian, what can I do? And I walked away from that meeting realizing that it is common. And, um, but it is not talked about. And when it is talked about, the outcomes change radically in a much better way. And so it's taken me a long time to share the story. I started with a bunch of small groups and one-on-one, and then I decided to tell our entire company in Mental Health Awareness Month, kind of was accelerated because in our business, construction and architecture are two of the five highest industries of suicide rate that exist. Mm -hmm. And uh, a number of our architects kind of really pushed Suicide Awareness Day in September. And it gave me the impetus to, it's time to share my story. So I've done that again. And I just did a TED Talk in July telling the story that I just shared with you. So Fantastic. Where is it being, uh, from what part of the country is this TED Talk? It was a TEDx Fargo. Um, Fargo, okay. Some, some, we'll have to look for it. In, in September, I think, is when they actually will put all the videos online. Fantastic. Um, and be part of the library. You know, I remember... One of the events that I was with you, it was one of the summits, wasn't this last one that you did, but the one maybe before, you stood in front of the room and you were so vulnerable with your uh, recent tragedy and your sincere appreciation to the team for helping you through what was a very difficult time. And I don't think there was a dry eye in that room. And I know it wasn't for me either. And then later, I think it was near the end of the day, you had a completely different style, which was, uh, you know, stop messing around. Let's get our, our stuff together here. Stop griping. Let's, let's pull together. If you have issues, got to go to the person with whom you have the issue. Stop being in gossip. So you, you kind of admonished part of the team as well. So on one hand, you were so vulnerable, tears coming down your eyes. The other hand, you were you were strong and and direct and to the point and seeing both of those parts of your leadership showing up in one you know annual summit was just phenomenal for me to watch that i just have not seen that i've seen one i've seen more of the the, the, the latter but not so much the former how has this mental health focus that you've been able to champion within ryan companies changed the culture what's happened as a result of the things that you've been championing? Well, I would say it's changing. And I think we still have a lot of work in front of us. Uh, An employee resource group got created called Support Without Stigma. And the team members opt into that, some of whom have stories similar to mine, have lived with depression or some other mental illness, and, and are living good lives. Others are people that know people in their circles that are dealing with it, not them personally, and to help them understand better how to, how do they navigate their family situation or some friends or colleagues or whomever this might be. And so I think this employee resource group is one way where we're, they now um, invite people to share stories and then have a WebEx for all of our team members to opt in if they wanna watch it. The last one I think they did, it was several hundred uh, Ryan team members that watched. Hmm. Um, I think as it relates to what I said before about suicide rates being high for construction and architecture, our construction leaders have, and the industry has become aware of the challenges with suicide. And, you know, I think about the perfect storm of a construction person who's working on a remote job site 
away from their family, goes home a couple times a month at most. It's working 10, 12 hours a day. There's a bar near the hotel when they leave the work at night and they go, you know, drink and try to get rid of their whatever their, is, their worries are with, with alcohol. And, and too often, they also have guns in their trucks. And so mm. it's a perfect storm where untreated depression, untreated anxiety can end up with someone taking their life, which is really sad. And so there's a real um, push within the industry and our leaders in our construction team are making this story be told on our job sites. You know, we have mental health awareness days. We have superintendents. After I shared my story with all of our employees, I got a call from one superintendent who said, Brian, I quit today because I needed to get help now before something tragic happened. And wow. I sent him a note back and I said, you, you absolutely need to quit. Yeah. Um, get, your, get, your, get your mental health uh, stable and please call us back. Um, but you're doing the right thing. You got to take care of yourself. And so I, I think in, in ways it's created people to be willing to talk about it, to be willing to say they need help and to be willing to, to know that there is hope and there is ways to move forward with living with mental illness, you know, between medicine, between therapy, between diet, sleep, there's a whole bunch of things. And people live with this just like many other illnesses, whether it's diabetes or heart yes. conditions, et cetera, right? But they talk about those, they don't talk about these. And so the support right. network isn't there. And so I think it's a lot of people to support one another as well. And we still got work to do though, Dean. Yeah, of course. I do know that the one other thing that I've noticed that you've done while I've been involved with Ryan Companies is that you've had in the past, um, probably you still do, and every other month meeting with a cohort group of senior leadership team members who part of that activity for that 90 minutes is to tell your personal story, your childhood. What was it like growing up? You know, And I've been in on some of those conversations and some of those stories are are hard. I mean, there's divorce, there's suicide, there's depression, and and you've given people a platform and a safety net and, and an allowance to be able to tell one story versus someone saying, no, that's not part of what work is. Work is about the nine to five or whatever it might be, anything outside of it, we don't want to spend any time on. You really leaned into it. And I've noticed from my perspective that people have been so much more open and vulnerable and, and coming together as a unified team than say a few years prior because of the efforts that you've been involved in. So, you know, hats off to you. Yeah. Well, I think Dean, you know, I was given the book Heart of Business by Hubert Jolie. And and then I also saw Brene Brown TED TED talk about vulnerability and vulnerability being at the core of relationships. And when you got strong relationships, you got a stronger business. And so, you know, there's a business case made for what we've created here in these small group forums for people to share their stories. You know, I would say not everyone's comfortable doing it, which is just fine too. And there's right. no, no obligation that people need to go deep and share everything. But for the people that do, my, my opinion is they feel supported. And I believe the bond between them and their peers is strengthened. And people then realize that you know, these stories that we write in our heads when we first meet someone about who they are, you realize quickly you don't have all the facts and your, your first impressions are likely 180 degrees from reality. And you, you now know the person you're working with and you know that, you know, they're going home at night with 
a different bag of rocks they're dragging around with their issues than my issues, but everyone's got them. And you approach working relationships with kindness um, and with a different perspective that I think creates for really strong dynamics within a, a professional team. You know, and it doesn't mean that people need to, you know, to share too much information or to go too deep, but I think there's a fine line there. When you're working with people seven or five days a week, eight hours a day, you spend a lot of your waking hours with them. And for people to really know what makes who you are and what you're dealing with, I think you end up bringing out the best in people and allow them to bring their best and also to be be open to say, hey, I need a little help right now because I'm dealing with X, Y, or Z. And when they get that space to do it, they come back renewed, refreshed, and also knowing that they're at a company that's got their back. And yeah. so they're just employees that will be here forever. So, Lion, Brian, last question I want to ask you about. I was told by so many people to watch this series called Ted Lasso. And in fact, our last uh, big leadership summit that I was involved in, you even included some reference to that series. And I kind of thought, all right, nuts enough. I'm going to have to watch this thing because the first time I started watching it, when it first came off, I just didn't catch the, the energy. I didn't catch it. I didn't understand. Like, this seems sort of ridiculous. I wasn't drawn into it. Well, then I watched it. My wife and I went through it and screamed through it in a matter of like three or four days. And we just finished the final one. And like, I'm so sad that it's done. Yeah. Why is Ted Lasso such an important reference for you and your leadership? What about Ted Lasso is what you're trying to do at Ryan? I think it's Ted Lasso is a guy who knows who knew nothing about European football or what we call soccer. But what he knew about was how to create a team and how to create a team that he can put together and bring out the best. And all those team members that when you put them all together, the 11 players on the field are bringing the energy of 22 instead of 11. And he was able to, to do it in a way where those team members felt energized, rewarded. They felt that they could bring their very best to what it was. And he did it with fun but he did it with excellence and, and he did it with an outcome that they radically changed the team from being the bottom of the league relegated to the next league down and working their way back up to win it. And, and it was all about being vulnerable. I mean, he shared things about what's going on with his life and then others followed suit. And when they did, I think the team gelled in a way that they never would have before. if They didn't have a leader that created space for something like that to happen. And so I don't know that it's a direct parallel to what I'm doing here, but I think there's definitely things about it. And, you know, his whole theme of, I believe um, yeah. is something that is, is, was the common glue to everything in that, in that series. And when you get everyone on the team, believing in the path that you're on, greatness can happen. And that that's the part that I kind of pulled out of the series and brought to our team was that piece in particular. But, I think the other part of it, though, is just realizing that there is no one in our company that knows everything about everything. We have experts in a whole bunch of different pieces, and that's what makes us great when we can bring the right people with the right expertise to the table to meet our clients' needs. Yeah, I think that you make a great point uh, that when um, the storyline, if those of you who've seen it, remember that there is an author or a writer who is doing a book on this entire experience, and the first title of it was the lasso way. And he comes back with his only comment, Ted Lasso was, no, it's, it's not about me. It's Correct. about the team. And then they renamed it the Richmond way. And yep. when I asked you, hey, you know, Brian, would you mind, you know, um, I mean, I'm honored to have you be a, a recipient of our annual award. And he goes, and what was the first thing you said was, it's not about me. It's about the team. 
you know, the award is for the team. So I, I want to say thank you so much for, for being the example of, of great leadership and, and being able to create the environment for the whole team uh, to show up. And I just, again, want to say that I've been just so impressed by uh, your style of leadership, your strength, uh, which is includes your vulnerability, uh, your ability to navigate through some challenging times in, in our industry. And, uh, and I just uh, been very pleased to get to know you. Well, thank you, Dean. And, you know, I'm humbled and honored to accept this on behalf of the team at Ryan and I'm really grateful for, you know, the honor that you're bestowing upon us. Great. Thank you for listening to the Business of Intuition. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about Dean or Mission Facilitators Leadership, go to mfileadership.com. That's mfileadership.com.